What's up, everybody? Welcome to ATL Sports HQ Live Show, the show for the fans by the fan. Uh, this is episode up, number. Everybody? Whoa, hold on, let me mute that real quick. <laughs> uh, this is episode number twenty-nine. Uh, we got the original trio back together again. Finally, it's been a few since it was just the three of us. So, um, I am Bob Lancaster. You can find me all over social media at Bowling Bob. I'm Phil Beasley. You can find me at underscore ATL Phil. I'm Derek Clemens. You can find me on Twitter at Derek Clemens. You can follow the site at atlsportshq.com and atlsportshq on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. And also, uh, the show can be found on all major podcast sites, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that there is podcasting, you can find us. Uh, so if, uh, make sure you go there and rate us five stars, please. We would greatly appreciate it. Usually our shows go up uh, one or two days after we finish, depending on uh, – if Derek's uh, not being lazy or not, so <laughs> but he gets it up pretty quick. So give us a five star rating. Uh, and if you're interested in writing for the site, we are actively recruiting. We got a lot going on. We've been covering the big three lately. Uh, Hawks, you know, going to be ton going on with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, we got the, the United in you know full gear right now. Uh, it's about to be Falcons time again. So you know, we'd love some Falcons guys. We're going to start talking about free agents and you know new guys on that team and doing our our uh, player bios coming up on that. So uh, so definitely come right first. You can just shoot myself or Phil uh, a message on Twitter and uh, we'll get you set up. So well, let's start with the uh, big news. Obviously, it's been what about a month straight now where NBA free agency talk, NBA trade talk has been in full force and this week didn't disappoint again. Uh, uh, deals are finally official. All your trades have now gone through. Um, but the big news is Kawhi uh, spurning the Raptors, but bigger spurning the Lakers to go uh, to the LA Lakers with Paul George joining him. Uh, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of interesting, uh, you know, pieces to that, uh, Bill, what'd you think about that deal? Um, I was excited. You know, I honestly, I thought he was going to stay in Toronto, but if he left, I knew it was going to be the Clippers. I don't care what Lakers fans say. He wasn't going there. It made no sense for him. That, that's, that just, there's nothing that made me think, yeah, Kawhi wants to go team up with two, with a big ego in LeBron and and his sidekick Anthony Davis, there's just it made no sense to me. I, I I don't know what Lakers fans were thinking, and you know all the sources who said it was a sure sure thing that he was going to go to the Lakers. Come on now, it's Kawhi Leonard. He ain't talking to nobody. Nobody knew what that man was going to do except for him. But in the end, as far as a pure basketball fit, uh, he wanted to go home, and the Clippers made the most sense. And now the Clippers have the best team in L.A. And I guarantee they'll win something before the Lakers. Yeah, what do you think about this deal, uh, Derek? And, you know, also including Paul George in the middle of nowhere. I mean, that was crazy. I definitely was not expecting that. I don't think anybody was. I mean, the Paul George move. I mean, just Kawhi, the way that he went uh, silently calling the silent assassin. I mean, he just went silently and recruited Paul George and got him to leave OKC where he, just a year ago he said he's here to stay. So, I mean, it's just crazy that he was able to get that second star. And, I mean, it's a big shout-out to the Clippers organization and their front office 
to find a way to get Paul George there just so they can get Kawhi. And I mean, it's definitely worth it, even though you're sending all those picks, because I mean, right now they're looking like maybe the best team going into the season. But I mean, I think this was the best fit for Kawhi just because of the type of person he is and his personality. Didn't really see him wanting to be on a team with three superstars and with him kind of being pushed back because of the Hall of Fame look for LeBron James and stuff. So I think it was better for him to go to the other Clippers and, I mean, compete against him. I mean, them games in the Staples Center is going to be ridiculous. Everyone's going to be there. And it would be fun to see a playoff series in the straight-up Staples Center against those two teams. Yeah, uh, it, you know, it, it was an interesting move. Um, I, I thought that uh, – I, I think he did want to stay with the Raptors, but, the, you know, he had made up his mind that he wanted to play with Paul George. Uh, you know, by recruiting Paul George and doing all that work and stuff like that, you know, but the Raptors just, you know, didn't have the draft capital like Oklahoma City, you know, uh, was able to or, or, or what the trade pieces weren't going to work. You know, the like I said the draft capital just wasn't there. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, the Raptors would have had to probably end up uh, getting rid of Pascal. Um, and, and then, you know, to, to, to make that deal work. Um, and, and I kind of think that Oklahoma City realized that, you know, it, it was time to blow it up. When Paul George, when Paul George comes to you and, you know, bl I'm sure blindsided them with the fact that he didn't want to be there no more, you know, they, they made that move fairly quickly. You know, they, they you know, it was surprising to me because, uh, you know, they, they were in total control. You know, Paul George, he was contracted to be there for, you know, a, a lengthy amount of time having just signed there. So, um, so it definitely, it definitely surprised me. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing about the Clippers is Steve Ballmer's not, a, not afraid to spend money. He's a huge basketball fan. Um, at one time was, uh, you know, rumored to be a, in a potential owner of the new Seattle team until he took over the Clippers. And so he, he likes basketball. He wants to win. You know, he wants to bring a title to L.A., but on his, you know, on, on his side, you know, and especially after, you know, having seen the having seen the Lakers win and stuff like that and and have an. Um, so, uh, yeah, man, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I love I love the deal for for the Clippers. And, and I love as much as I hate to say it, I love the deal for Oklahoma City. I mean, they you give them five or six years. That team, if they draft correctly and they have a really, really good front office as far as as you know, uh, drafting, drafting, they have they just have a hard time keeping players, not not necessarily drafting. So, um, yeah, give them five or six years, and they're going to be a powerhouse. You you know, you're they're going to build essentially like Philly did. You have to start from the ground down and then hope for the best, you know. But you, you got to imagine what else are they going to get for Russell Westbrook when he gets traded away too? You got to figure there's going to be even more number one, you know, number ones coming their way for for him. So, but uh, yeah, what what are your thoughts as far as the the Oklahoma City side, Phil? They saw that luxury tax bill and sat down and evaluated the rest of the conference and said, "Is this really worth it?" <laughs> so you know, it it just it's not. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, they had to pay over well over a hundred million, I think, in yeah. just luxury tax on top of um, their guaranteed salary. So you know, you shouldn't be doing that unless you're 
the Golden State Big Five. So <clears throat> they were just hemorrhaging money. You know, nobody, nobody is going to come play for OKC unless they're like from there or something. Um, I mean, who who wants to be out there in the middle of the the sand or whatever they whatever kind of dirt they have out there? They don't have. Who wants to look at who wants to look at tornadoes and and yeah. dust and dust balls going Ow. across those? <laughs> but uh, Derek, one thing I want to ask you is. Do you think in your mind this confirms that Russell Westbrook's been the problem there? Because now we have another player that's bailed on Oklahoma City. Or do you think that Paul George just realized this is a once-in-a-lifetime chance to win a championship? I think the big part of him leaving, because, I mean, he even came out and said it had nothing to do with Russ, but because he's finally got that chance to play in L.A. without LeBron being there also. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he has a chance to play with Kawhi Leonard, someone who literally just came off of ending the Warriors dynasty. So, I mean, that's one of the best opportunities you're going to have to go back to your home place. But I just, I think it's hard to put it all on Russ. I think you can put some blame on Russell and some of the decision he makes. And he just has that one attitude is just hard. No matter what, he just goes fast, fast, fast. And that can hurt you at some points. But I think it's really just what Phil was talking about, just their money situation. They never had pieces to put around those two guys. I mean, you, they're passing out to people that can't shoot, and they can never make a move in the offseason or make a trade before the deadline to get guys that can knock down them shots. So, I mean, just the role players that were put around them, them weren't built, uh, weren't constructed well enough for them to have success in the playoffs because, I mean, that's one of the most important things in the playoffs, so, I mean. I think they're both to blame, the front office and Russell at times. But, I mean, it just seemed like Phil said it was, it was time for the Thunder to do this. Uh, and when they started to hear the rumblings of Paul George and Russell unhappy because they kept losing in the first round, it was definitely the right time to do it. Last question on this topic, Phil. Uh, where do you think he goes, Russell Westbrook? Do you think it's going to be the Heat, or do you see him going back to uh, the Rockets? Or, go? I mean, going back to James Harden? Man, that heat fit is disgusting. Him and Jimmy Butler, and then yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. Um, and also, you know, the way James Harden has changed his game to pretty much need the ball in his hands, I don't know about that fit either. Um, I see New York maybe getting desperate and trying to throw together a package. But, you know, who do they really have? I mean, I guess they can give another package of picks. Uh huh. I, I I I don't see it. I don't see. I just don't see who. You know, speaking of those two teams, Rockets and Heat, what could really be offered? You I mean it's got to be just the the craziest amount of package to be able to get him? I mean, yeah. what, what do the Rockets have and the Heat? What do the Heat even yeah, have? You're <laughs> almost you're almost better off. You're they're going to be almost better off putting together a three team trade to where more capital can go, you know, can go to the Thunder to, to make a deal happen. But I can't see any other team wanting to jump in to go make the Heat better or the Rockets better, you know, um, and, and who, you know, after all said and done, who's got the money to do that, you know? So, uh, you know, this boy, uh, Dougie said he's going to the Magic. Yeah, I mean that that's a very that's a very real possibility too. So it seems like he it seems like he wants to go the heat. So um 
it'll be interesting to see. That's going to be this. That'll be this week's drama after the you know the Kawhi drama I, last week. I definitely don't see the Rockets happening. I think that is a long shot. I mean, because they would have to. I'm assuming unload Chris Paul in that trade too. And OKC is not going to want Chris Paul. Yeah, no. Yeah. So there would have to be a third team involved for mm-hmm. that. And then I mean. The Heat fit, he, I mean, he's interested in there, and the Heat are trying to do stuff. They've been moving people all offseason. I mean, they're trying to make changes and trying to get uh, past that little line that they're at where they're just right at the playoff line. And um, a team, though, that wouldn't, uh, wouldn't surprise me to try to make a move, I don't know if they have enough, but is the Pistons. Uh, yeah. There's been a lot of, like, in, when Blake Griffin was a free agent, uh, there was talks about him teaming up with Russell and going to OKC. And then one time the Thunder were in the noise to trade for Blake Griffin when he was still on the Clippers. But I I think the Pistons would might look at that and try to come together with a deal. But I just don't know what they could put together that the Thunder would be like, yeah, that's what we want. So I think it's more likely that the Heat would get it. But I mean, I also think the Thunder might not get into a rush in – uh, force it this season they might wait another year i mean they also got uh, gillis alexander which would be a great fit with russell side by side because they both can take care of the ball but i don't know i just i don't see the thunder and they have mighty respect for russell and paul george i mean you've seen how they treated him and yeah. when he asked for a trade they have respect for those guys so they're not going to send them somewhere they don't want to be well, it's not like again. Let's not let's not act like Oklahoma City got bamboozled here. I mean, Shy Gilders Alexander was a great piece for them to get, and they immediately, you know, they immediately went to the first guy that you're going to ask best young rookie player. So uh, again, I thought it was a fantastic deal, and it was a it was fantastic, and it was a no brainer deal for Oklahoma City to make. It frees it up. You know, you're not winning this year. Um, you know, so, it, you know, and they're, they're committed to that. They know, know that they need to just restart it. It clearly wasn't working with Russell Westbrook. So, you know, uh, you, you've won no championships with him. So, uh, you know, and, and so they, they do blow it up, start all over again and see if it'll work with, you know, building pieces with young guys and a bunch of number one picks. Some of those will be able to be traded when you do put the pieces together to where you could possibly bring in another star. Um, and, and it allows them to be a potential big two, big three location. But feel, like Phil said, I just don't see them convincing people to play there because Oklahoma is not like a destination place to go to build your big two, big three. So I'll probably put Oklahoma city as the, the 30th out of 30 mm-hmm. as far as the NBA. Nah, Minnesota's far worse than uh, that. Man. I don't know. Minnesota's Cleveland. a bigger city, though. And no, one's going, no one's going to Cleveland. Closer. Cleveland, you're close to, like, yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Cleveland's got a lot of stuff. You got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You got a lot of stuff, too. There's there's the Football Hall of Fame nearby. Man, what is what has Minnesota got? They got snow and ice fishing. That's yeah, Minnesota it. might be the worst. I think Christian Christian Leitner in, in his 30 for 30 was like, man, that was the worst nightmare ever living there. <laughs> but uh, all right, so let's get move on from that. Let's get into uh, winners and losers. What I'm going to do is I'm going to actually include trades here. We can do trades, free agents. Who were your two biggest winners and two biggest losers, Phil? Oh, got to go Brooklyn and the Clippers. Um Explains itself really, you know. KD and 
Petite, baby. And then Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, uh, the Clippers just acquired two all-defensive players, two two top ten players in the league. Um, so you, one could argue that's even better than Brooklyn's Hall. I mean, who knows how uh, KD's going to come off that Achilles. Kyrie Irving, he might go join Illuminati or something. So, <laughs> so who knows how that's going to go. So I, I got to put the Clippers up here and then uh, and then Brooklyn. How about, how about your two losers? Two losers, um, Suns, and man, what's that other one? I got to go to Lakers <laughs> because they were waiting. And then, of course, the Knicks, but the Knicks get their own little story. Um, they were waiting and probably missed out on a few guys waiting on Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, that's worth a guy waiting for, though. I mean, I, I'd wait, too. So, all right, Derek, who are your two biggest winners and two biggest losers? Number one winner is the NBA in whole because it is now balanced and it's going to be very, very fun to watch next year. And I wish Kevin Durant wasn't injured because that would make it even better. All these duos on every team spread out throughout the East and the West, it'd be a great year. But for the second winner, it has to be the Clippers. Uh, on paper, they look like the best roster, uh, how they're set up defensive-wise. And then they have that, those offensive sparks, those dogs there. I mean, they're going to be a fun team to watch, and they're going to shut a lot of teams down, especially in the playoffs. Uh, losers, definitely the Suns. I mean, their biggest thing they did, even counting the draft, I mean, they're a lottery team and couldn't even get a good guy in the draft. I mean, they got a good player, but not something they need. And then their biggest signing was Ricky Rubio. So for fifty million, I think it was three years, fifty million. So I mean, that's a definitely L. I'm not high on Ricky Rubio, especially when they had a chance to get D'Angelo Russell. But um, second loser, good, good old Ricky, good old Ricky Ruby below. Yeah, I, can't stand that I'm yeah, no, especially for fifty million. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, second loser. I guess the Knicks, just because of the high hopes that the media and themselves gave them of getting all three, and then they got none, and then they're just signing guys. That, they're just signing names, really, because they have, like, four power forwards right now. Like, and, oh, look, Knicks fans, we, we did something. Right? Yeah. That, I mean, I think that some of those signings were really good, like the Julius Randle signing. Yeah. And then they just also – I think they got uh, the more the better Morris twin to flip from the Spurs to come there. So, I mean, I think he's very good, too. So, I mean, they have players, but it's like they just said, here, we're just going to draft the people we can get because they have, like, four point guards and four power forwards and really no shooters like that. So, I don't know. That's going to – you know, quietly, that's going to be an interesting story because that that uh, Morris deal with him reneging on that deal with the, the Spurs – has financial implications other you know otherwise through I, I was trying I was looking at the article about it today and there's more teams that are are involved with however you know with him not signing with the Spurs I, I didn't quite really understand how it worked but um yeah it's just something something to pay attention uh for me uh winners uh Clippers man I mean the, they went from being a team that may be an eight to possibly being a championship contending team. Uh, you have, you know, you add two stars with a depth of, you know, what they, what they already have, you know, they have the best six man player in the league, you know, so you have good bench depth. Uh, 
Shy Gildas is a big loss for them. Uh, but you know what? When when you're when you're going for the now, you know it's going to cost you some of those guys. You know, um, and they they didn't. You know, they realized they had a chance to go for the now, and so um, you know it, it, it was time. You know, in, time to make that move. You know, uh, second biggest winner for me. Um, as much as it pains me to say, I, I, Oklahoma City, uh, you know, again, you look at the list of number one picks, first round picks that they have going through for the next six, seven years. It's sickening. I mean, you know, they again, if they draft right and do things correctly, they are going to not you know, not miss losing, you know, like they are the next few years. Uh, and so it's just going to be, they're going to be a force. I mean, I, again, I, I, uh, I, I hate saying it just being, you know, hating the thunder as much as I do, but it was the best thing possible for them. Uh, biggest loser, biggest losers. I'm going to go with players. Uh, first one was um, a boogie. I mean, having to take another one year. Uh, I mean, good, good pickup by the Lakers to get him. But Boogie having to take another one year and having zero interest on the free agent market, uh, you know, just kind of surprising. I mean, I again, the fact that the fact I thought I thought that he would get more interest in Jimmy Butler, and uh, I, I was wrong, you know. So, uh, so I thought he was the biggest one, of the biggest losers. But uh, my number one biggest loser, Dennis Schroeder. Man, how kicked off do you think he is taking <laughs> playing for a rebuild we can kind of laugh about it here in atlanta now after he shafted everybody yeah uh, you know all right i'm tired of playing for a rebuild he better he, is. he better ask for a trade himself because if even if the thunder trade away russ he's not going to be a starter next year because alexander he's better than him already yeah uh -huh. I, I really don't see an argument about it really yeah, it was just, it's unfortunate. It's just, you know, that, uh, you know, he signs that deal after talking smack. And then, you know, here it is where he's in the exact same situation that, you know, that he in, now in Oklahoma City where. In the West, too, which is even worse. Yeah, it's harder to get back. I think that's a worse situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing there. A, you're in a crappy ass city with nothing to do on a losing team. Yeah, man. I don't think his hookah lounge would do very well yeah. in Oklahoma City. Breaking though, maybe he'll maybe he'll open up a country bar. What are what are the chances? <laughs> the Warriors just right. got a big piece. Yeah, yeah, but I, I definitely thought he was the biggest loser. As soon as when all this happened, and I started seeing, and then Westbrook talking about trading out, I was like, oh, poor poor Dennis had to talk shit on the way out, and here we are. So, but uh, all right. Best team in L.A. now, Phil, Lakers or Clippers? Oh, it's got to be the Clippers. I can't understand how people are saying otherwise. This Clippers team pushed the Warriors to six games and won uh, – how many games did they win? 44, 45, 46? They won in the 40s. Basically didn't lose anything. Add Kawhi Leonard. Add Paul George. I don't, I don't understand how anybody could say that they are better than the makeshift Lakers team Okay, they have LeBron, they have Anthony Davis. Who's their point guard? Don't tell me LeBron. Yeah, I know he's going to bring the ball up the floor, but you still need that point guard, I think. Um, they lost half their depth. They they just they, – they're going to have so much media focused on them that, you know, as soon as they win two or three games, it's just going to be chatter, chatter, chatter. There's no way that I could see from a basketball perspective that the Lakers are a better team than the Clippers right now. 
Lakers or Clips, Derek? On paper, right now, the Clippers. But later on, you never know. Matchups. Uh, I think people forget how good Anthony Davis actually really is. And at this moment right now, I, there's not a lot on the Clippers that can guard him. But that doesn't mean a lot because, I mean, there's five other guys on the court. So right now on paper, the Clippers have the better constructed roster. So we'll just wait and see just how the Lakers' uh, chemistry goes and if they can get it together, if LeBron can get back and work, be better from that injury that he had last season. I mean, he never really came back and looked the same after the injury. So I, if we had to pick someone right now, I'd definitely pick the Clippers. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm going to take the Clippers as well, just bench depth to me. I mean, again, you know, uh, the Lakers are going to put out a bunch of unknowns for bench depth. But uh, I really like the move of getting Cousins for one year. You have the, com- you know, the comfort factor of Anthony Davis and Cousins having played together before, which hasn't really been talked about that much. Um, you know, so they're comfortable with each other. Uh, it looks like they are going to move LeBron to the point. So, um, you know, uh, and, and he, you know, he does a decent job of, of, of moving the ball, spreading the ball around. Um, and so, I mean, it's not like, not like the Lakers are going to be bad. That's going to be an awesome rivalry to go through this year, um, you know, between those two. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm like you, if I had to, if I had to pick one right now, I'd, I'd say the Clippers are the better, but the Lakers aren't that far behind. I think it just comes to, you know, how, you know, one through 12, the Clippers are better than the, than the Lakers are. So, uh, upper hand that in the playoffs that the Clippers will have is Doc Rivers is on the end of that bench. Yeah, I agree. Frank Vogel is not a bad coach. No, he's not. I just don't know if he can handle those egos. He uh, he had the underdog Pacers teams that were like a close bunch, mm-hmm. a team team. Now he has. Well, know, it's, like we talked about, it's like we talked about at work today. We're like, who do you want? Who who do you want coming off the bench in a big game? Do you want Lou Williams or or do you want Rajon Rondo? I mean, you know, come on, let's, you know, that, that to me says a lot right there. We're talking about the first guy off the bench, you know, so, uh, but yeah, so it looks like, you know, we all agree on the Clippers, but now let's talk about early championship prediction. Are you going with the Clippers, uh, Phil, to win the whole thing? I'm going with the Clippers and that'll mean back to back finals MVPs for Kawhi Leonard and three with three different teams. Um, <laughs> this man is a uh, is is amazing. I I don't even understand. I think and it's it's not talked about enough because if he does this and leads another team to a championship, that's crazy. How about you, Derek? Right now, if you had to pick one to win the championship, right now it's the Clippers. I mean, that depth, the defense, just I mean, there's no drop off from the defensive end at all. So that's constant defensive pressure off yeah. the bench the second unit and then the first unit coming back in and bringing that same pressure. Kawhi Leonard, I mean, he's just a killer. Like, yeah, what I what I seen him do in the playoffs this year is just ridiculous. And I knew, he, like, he had it in him. Like, people tend to forget about his offensive ability, and he just proved everyone wrong this season. So, I mean, he's going to – I think he's going to be even better next year because he was fighting an injury. I mean, people forget that his leg was messed up. You've seen him limping in the finals and stuff. So, I mean, and then you add Paul George to that mix who can go out and score in the clutch. I mean, not he can't hit the last second shot, 
I guess he did hit one last season, but he can't hit the last second shot, but he makes those shots where it matters. Yeah, yeah, you have Kawhi Leonard to do the last second, but I think they're right now they're the favorites, but I'll be I'll, I'm ready for this question halfway through the season and see what happens. I'm, I'm going to shock the world here. I'm taking the Golden State. I knew, I knew you were going to say that. Uh, I think underrated throughout this whole thing is the fact that D'Angelo Russell is in, in Golden State coming off a what was a fantastic year for him last year. Uh, and, and so um, – you know, again, you talk about you talk about a twosome. You know, two guys playing together. You know, Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell make a nice little tandem as well in the West. I mean, that West is going to be just like devastatingly good this year. So, um, you know, I, I'm definitely, I, I'm definitely excited to watch some of them games. So, but uh, as Hold on, I think my cat's about ready to make an appearance on the ATL Sports HQ show today. So, but uh, but yeah, I'm gonna say Golden State. I again, I you know they, they may have lost, they may have lost, you know, one big guy, and then you know losing losing you know another one to injury. But um, but yeah, you know, again, it's not it's not a lot been talked about with D'Angelo, but I thought that was a big pickup for them. So so I'm gonna take them. So our last topic on the, as far as the NBA. Uh, they are now adopting the coaches challenge. Uh, what do you think about that, uh, Derek? Well, I was with it until I seen the, I seen another tweet and it said that it uh, includes personal fouls. That is something I am not on board with. I think that is going to hurt the game a little bit because I mean, that's just part of basketball. I mean, it's been part of basketball forever, even outside, outside of a professional setting. I mean, you call your own fouls and, there's no challenges. Oh, no, that's not a foul or something. Like, if it's called a foul, it's a foul. So, I mean, I don't like that part, but I think the out-of-bounds and three-point, two-point, I guess they really kind of already had that. But everything else, I'm with it. I think it will help in some cases, and you can't really get cheated anymore. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this, uh, you know, instant replay in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good idea. Um, you know, it, and with the foul thing, even you probably only get one challenge a game, so it's not like you know three minutes to go in the first quarter. <laughs> there's a tic tac questionable foul, and the game is just going to be stopping every five minutes for a challenge. It'll probably only be in you know, the last two minutes crucial situations. I bet it won't even be used that much because you know anything big like out of bounds and all that kind of stuff is going to be um, reviewed anyway. So this will be mainly used for fouls and stuff. Yeah, I just don't see the point of it. Um, again, but the, I haven't seen I haven't seen it used in the summer league. So, um, you know, I, I'm not really sure, you know, the utilization of it. But like you just said exactly what I was going to say, Phil, that um, it to, when you've got to look at a shot or anything like that, that's replayed at the counter. I don't understand what the need that there was such a big need of missed calls. Um, yeah. I'd love to see what the percentage was last year of like um, of missed calls. I don't know if that's a report that's, that's given out or anything, but um, yeah, I'd definitely like to see if the, you know, it wasn't like, you know, 4% or 5% missed calls or higher or whatever. I just don't see the need for it. I, I do see the need for it in the, 
in the NFL, but definitely, definitely not in the NBA. So um, I, I'm not a fan and uh, we'll, we'll have to see how that uh, works. And, you know, going into the regular season there, you know, it'll only take one call for that benefits the Hawks and that'll change my mind, you know, <laughs> so, when, it, when it goes our way, but when it goes against our, when it goes against us, I'll hate it. So, but uh, so that'd be something we'll keep an eye on. But speaking of the Hawks though, uh, busy week for them. Um, Omari Spellman fresh off of uh, hitting the buffet in Vegas a little too many times. Uh, got traded. Uh, spite, or tell that deal, Phil. Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, Omari Spellman, he didn't look too good in the um, in his two summer league games. You could tell he was overweight. So the Hawks said, well, yeah, we just we're not we're not doing this. So after one season, we gave up on him. We get a 2026. Uh, second round pick, and we get in exchange 24-year-old uh, center Damian Jones from the Golden State Warriors. Uh, you know, not a not a huge groundbreaking name, but you know he can run the floor. He can um, he can defend well. He can defend the paint, get a few blocks, get some rebounds. You know, five points and three rebounds last year with the Warriors. Could see a bigger role here, so. You know, this is the type of signings or type of moves we make. Hopefully this can end up like the Dwayne Deadman or maybe even like Alex Lynn, that kind of that kind of scenario where they just need a fresh little start. But, you know, all respect to Amari, uh, there was obviously it was more than him just not being to keep the weight down. There was obviously some lifestyle things involved in there. Otherwise, we would not give up on a first round pick after just one season. So he must you know, there there were some quotes that were a little telling, talking about, you know, it's one thing to be in the gym every day, but that's not all it takes. So obviously he was still not eating right. Uh, I'm sure there's some behind the scenes stuff. Hopefully we can get the scoop on that sooner than later. But, you know, I, I, I wish him well. He has a high motor. He's a good guy. He's a good player. And he has the skill. He just has to have that attitude. Yeah, um, um, it you know we haven't had very many Travis Schlink misses in our time here, um, and and I think this is was definitely a Travis Schlink miss based upon that I think that they thought that you know they they could keep him in good physical shape. So uh, were you surprised by this deal, Derek? Um, I was kind of surprised, but I'm not mad at it. I actually think it was the right thing to do. Um, I mean. We seen we we have seen a way different guy than what we drafted. When we drafted him, I mean, if you've seen him at Villanova, he looked nothing like he does now. But I mean, there are reports that he struggled throughout his whole life with weight loss. But Villanova had him in shape, and then, I mean, the process just went, the progress just went down over the next the year. I mean, he lost weight, then gained it back, and then added more to it. And I mean. You don't want to see that. And I mean, I wish yeah. the best for him. And I think him going to the Warriors is a perfect opportunity because of what Draymond did, uh, Draymond Green did. I mean, he dropped like 30 pounds in a few months. And so, I mean, I think they'll, they'll have a chance to help him get right. And I mean, we got a center that can run the floor, like Phil said. I mean, he can run the floor. And that's something that Spellman wasn't going to be able to do. Not on the other side, uh, Damian Jones, he can't. 
stretch the floor like Spellman can. But I just we're going to talk about him in a minute. We filled that role. But um, I think it was the right thing to do. And I mean, I think fans want to they they believe in Schlink so much that they think that he's never going to draft a miss. And I think that's why a lot of them want to hold on to Spellman and say we're giving up a very valuable piece. But I just don't see it that way. I was actually more surprised with this trade coming into uh, on the other side, actually, uh, with uh, Damian Jones being given up on uh, by Golden State. Uh, you know, so that kind of surprised me. Um, I had heard last year that uh, they were pretty big on on Damian Jones. So I'm kind of curious as to what. Uh, um, you know what what went wrong there you know on, on their side i you know the we we knew you know we know the weight issue with spellman you know played the played the biggest part with on our end but that you know i, I was just kind of surprised that that golden state made that move so uh but they you know they they may see something a little differently in spellman and more you know he may be a little more physical being a bigger guy um and you know the center playing the center role so uh but but I, I like it i mean again if you're if you're not committed to spellman let him go you know and let's get what we can get out of him and uh um you know and, and it is what it is it's not like a major not a major move or anything uh it was just surprising because i think a lot of us had omari Spe spellman counted in you know with the roster this year so it kind of came out it kind of came out of nowhere but uh, another move that kind of quietly came out of nowhere uh Jabari Parker signing two years, thirteen million. Uh, Phil, what are your thoughts on this deal? I really like this move. When Jabari is healthy, he is a very talented offensive player. Uh, you know, you didn't hear anything about him last year, but quietly he he scored fifteen points a game on like forty nine percent shooting. I mean, the dude can play. You know, he hasn't lived up to the hype coming out of college. He was um, a very high player. He does have a season of 20 points per game in Milwaukee before um, Giannis took over. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. But you bring him in here with a great coach, a nice system, a good point guard, which he's never played with. Um, I really think this is a great low-risk, high-reward move for the Hawks. And, you know, the second year is a player option. So, you know, if he doesn't do that good um, – he can he can opt in. It's only six point five million dollars. We have eighty million next year, and not a lot of free agents out there. As long as we have that money clear for two thousand twenty one, but um, you know, and if he does good, he can potentially stay here on a bigger deal or go get go get him a deal. You know, he he has all the incentive to have a good year to stay healthy. Um, same with Chandler Parsons. You know, I still believe that he can have a little something in the tank. Too, uh, I pulled up his stats from like the last twenty or so games down the stretch last year, and his numbers were decent too. So, you know, we got we got some guys with a lot to prove, and if they can stay healthy, they're going to be major contributors. Same with Alan Kraft; they're going to be uh, major contributors on this team next year. Yeah, since since you brought it up, I'll just throw that into the the Hawks uh, acquired for Chandler Parsons from the Grizzlies in exchange for Solomon Hill and and the legendary Miles Plumley. Uh, so, uh, our best wishes to Miles Plumley. He was, uh, he was, uh, has some legendary games with us. It was sad that he had to go, but, uh, yeah, move, move on there, Miles. Uh, but, uh, what, what were your thoughts on now that we're talking, what were your thoughts on both deals, Jabari and, uh, for, um, Chandler Parsons, Derek? 
Uh, I'll start with Parsons just so it'll be a little quicker. But, um, I mean, it was just a money, little money thing. Uh, they're both the same. Chandler Parsons wanted out of the Minnesota, uh, Minnesota, the Grizzlies in Memphis. And so, I mean, the Hawks were willing to do it if they took two contracts that would add up to around the same. Uh, Parsons seems like he's glad to be Atlanta. He's been in Vegas with the team, the summer league team, hanging out with Trey and Collins and them. I'm fine with that trade. I mean, it's not going to hurt us because he's gone on expiring contracts. So, I mean, it's not really a big deal. It's a veteran wing, too, so he can teach them a little things, the rookies. Uh, but the Jabari signing, um, I was very surprised by this, and I was very happy by it when I saw that. I mean, like Phil said, this is a low-risk, high-reward. And, I mean, the money is nothing because next year we have all of it, all the money that we could ask for. Um, he's His offensive talent is just really, really, really good, and he continued to show uh, to get better on that end. Now the only sign is that defense, but I think Pierce and playing with these young guys that are all still learning with him being young too, he's really not going to have no expectation to be a defensive stopper because they're all learning together. I mean, our defense wasn't really good last season as a team. So they're going to all be working together on the defensive end. So, I mean, I have hopes that he can at least hold his ground on the defensive end, but I mean, coming off the bench, He's going to be an offensive problem for opposing second units, units. And I'm happy with the signing. I think he's going to be great with the team. I even think a lineup of Young, either Herter or Reddish, Hunter, and then throw uh, Jabari and Collins out there. I think that would be a fun lineup to see at one point. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you guys both said the things I was going to say. First, low risk, high reward. You know, uh, and, and what a lot of people don't realize is that, we, you know, we don't, we don't think, or you forget that Jabari Parker is still so young. You know, he, he came in the league as young, had the phenomenal rookie season, then got hurt, you know. And and so, uh, but yeah, what he's, I mean, he's 20, I think 24 or 25 years old. He's 24, yeah. 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 So you got, you got, you know, the youth and, and everything like that, you know. So, uh I, I, I love that deal. You know, six million to me for him. I thought I thought it was again that that's the low risk to it. You know, it's not costing us anything. We got money. We got money to use. You know, and it's not like it's you know going into you know keeping us from a free agent. So, um, but and then you said the other thing about Chandler Parsons, veteran wing. You know, we if we lose Vince Carter, which is sounding more and more like the day it's going to happen, you know, you need a guy like Chandler Parsons in that locker room to all, you know, become the, the, the vet, you know, the guy that the, the assistant coach is what I like to call him, you know, another assistant coach there to, you know, you, you just got to have those pieces in there, uh, especially, you know, you lost Bays, you know, so you, you, there was another veteran voice that you, that you lost in that locker room. And so um, I, I really, I really like the move just for that sake. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to make it really make an impact. But I, you, another thing about Chandler Parsons is, you know, when he was with Dallas, it's not like he was a slouch player, you know. Uh, so maybe a, a motivated Chandler Parsons may, you know, might come back and you know have a really, really good season uh, motivated with motivated with Atlanta. So, um, you know, I was kind of surprised that he wanted out of Memphis, though, because it seems like Memphis is an on-the-rise team. So, um, but, uh, but I'll take him. I mean, again, veteran wing and, and when we need a couple vets to fill those roles, especially, like I said, if Vince doesn't come back. So, um, 
But uh, what do we want to talk about here? Um, let's go into, let's talk about the free agent list. Uh, 2021 is starting to look like uh, an incredible free agent list, Phil. Yeah, 2021 has everybody. Um, pull it up again. That's not what I wanted. But pretty much it's the who's who of, of the NBA. So most of the guys, of course, will probably re-up, or a lot of the older ones, but some notable ones, Blake Griffin, uh, Paul George, Gordon Hayward, Mike Conley, DeMar DeRozan, CJ McCollum, Otto Porter, Drew Holiday, Rudy Gobert, Anthony Davis, Bradley Bill, Drummond, Giannis, Antetokounmpo. I'll let that one sink in. Stephen Adams. Marcus Aldridge, Nicholas Batum, well, he'll be like 50. Victor Oladipo, so, excuse me, some very high-level names out there in 2021. I just don't see the Hawks make making a move in 2021, to be honest with you. I, um, I just think that we have enough pieces now to where what we're building – is going to be better than what's going to be out there in 2021, not counting Giannis. Uh, I think Giannis would be the prize, obviously. So, and I just can't, I can't see him leaving the box. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd like to, I'd like to just think that what we're building here eliminates the need to, to have to go out and, and, and make an acquisition like that. But it's nice to know that the names are out there. So, uh, but uh, Derek, you've been uh, checking out any of this summer league action? Unfortunately, I've watched a few. Uh, I watched the first <laughs> game, and I watched most of the. I watched the. Actually, I watched some of the first game. I watched all of the second game. Today, I turned it on for about maybe a quarter, and it got so boring I had to cut it off. I did see a few Bruno plays that I enjoyed. He he looks pretty good. Um, I've mostly in summer league, I've been watching the Celtics. I think they've been fun to watch just because their rookies are actually playing. That's, I mean, that's a big problem. I mean, a lot of rookies throughout the league aren't even playing and it's actually unfortunate because the summer league, I mean, last year was fun to watch the year when Lonzo was a rookie. That was fun to watch. But now, I mean, it's hard to even keep it on the TV in the background because it's so hard to watch. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Phil, what are your thoughts on the great Jalen Adams? Oh, yeah, I wasn't a fan of him during the season. <laughs> I thought we were crazy to finish out the season with him at backup man if Trip Trey would have got hurt. Oh, my goodness. I would have had to burn my eyes out. But he looks even worse in summer league than he did in the regular season last year, it's just, he can't make the right plays. He can't get a shot. He's missing the open guy, missing the open passes. It's just, he does not look like an NBA point guard. And obviously he's playing out there with a G League team. He doesn't look like a G League point guard. I think all three of us, when, you know, when we had the radio show after Schlenk made the announcement that Jalen was coming back, kind of all groaned a little bit. So, yeah, he, he has not looked good, not looked good in the summer league whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, I, I've caught I've caught just a just a couple games here and there, and you know I really don't have I don't really have the interest in it to to stick through essentially you know exhibition game of of 
future G League players. So uh, it just hasn't been. I watched uh, obviously I watched the the Zion RJ matchup, you know, yeah. just because of the and that you know, was over at halftime. Yeah, the hype factor, and it was over by halftime. So, but uh, you think that uh, Phil that this Hawks team can make the playoffs this year? I think they can. Um, I do think a lot of Hawks fans need to calm down, calling it a lock and saying we have the best young core. Uh, relax. We also lost a lot last year. Uh, losing Torian Prince and Kent Bazemore and likely Vince Carter is big on the locker room. And we were relatively healthy last year. Trey Young played 81 games. John Collins only missed about five games after missing the first uh, 15 or so. So you, you got to factor in things like that. Also, overall, top to bottom, the East is a little better this year. Um, so it, it's going to be an uphill battle. Can we make it? Yes. I, on paper, I have us maybe ranked 10th. I would have us right there on the outside looking in, anywhere between 33 and 39 wins. But – they obviously can't make it if everything goes well and we stay healthy and we gel and we play some defense, <laughs> then we, we can make it. Derek, you think this is a playoff team? Uh, I think it's a possibility, but that is, I, that don't mean you're a playoff team. I think if you have the possibility to make it, I mean, it's because playoff team is really a guarantee and it's definitely not that. And through some of these Hawks fans on Twitter, I mean, I love the fan base, but sometimes – they get out of hand and their confidence is out the roof. Guarantee. Yeah. I've seen people guaranteeing a seventh, sixth seed, and we might, we're going to struggle to get to the eighth seed, I believe. I so definitely. Four seed. Uh, okay. Yeah. Then I would have probably blocked them. Okay. <laughs> I would never want to see the, any of their opinions again. But um, it's a possibility, but I would not go into the season expecting it. I think, I mean, you're adding two rookies. That's three rookies that's never played in the league, and they're going to play a lot of the minutes. I mean, one of them is going to be a starter, and another one is going to maybe even start it by the end of the season. So, Yeah, and it's not going to be all peaches and roses like we've no. been lucky with Trey Young and uh, John Collins and Kevin Herter the last two years. It should be expected for these rookies to struggle. We have gotten very, very lucky. This is the normal. Do we – are we going to make the playoffs? Man, I don't know. What I care about, are we a better team? Yes, I think we are a better team. You know, are, are we getting there? Yes, we're getting there. You know, um, if we make the playoffs, that's, again, that's great. You know, let's be excited that we're back. And, you know, that I, I would say essentially that is a, uh, a two years ahead of schedule. I mean, I would say not even, you know, not even a year. I would say we're two years ahead of schedule in this rebuild. Um, and and kudos to Coach Lloyd Pierce for and and uh, you know Travis Schlank for getting us there. Um, again, I thought that we hit the lot. You know, we hit the draft jackpot this year. You know, uh, having Reddish fall to us at ten, and so um, you know that that to me, put us, put us a year, you know, another year ahead. Um, I, I think the, the fact that, uh, you know, our draft picks, you know, last year ended up being 
better than you know better than we thought they were going to be you know um especially you know kevin i think was was a surprise to a lot of people um you know and so uh yeah you know again if they make it that's great but i want to see a better product out there and that's what i want to see i want to see a graduate you know gradual improvement um you know I, I would be happy with you know 36 to 40 wins you know i wouldn't be disappointed with that at all so um, if that gets us to the playoffs, that gets us to the playoffs. So um, let's uh, move on, though, to the big three. Um, big three, we covered it this this weekend. Shout out to our guy, Jeremy, for uh, sitting down there on the baseline, shooting some awesome pictures. Uh, we'll have that gallery up uh, coming up here soon. I think uh, Phil will be handling a little bit of a write-up and then throwing up the pictures for us on the site. Uh, Joe Johnson had a really, really good day. Um do you think that Joe Johnson has a future uh, in the NBA again, Phil? I think he could help out a contender to go sit in the corner and hit some corner threes. I, I think he could, but honestly, he's probably having more fun in the big three, you know, playing ISO ball and pretty much dominating the league. He's They go to 50, and he's averaging over 20 points a game, I believe. <laughs> so I, I think he's better off staying there, but I'm sure the paycheck – would be a little better in the NBA. I'm not sure how the conversation works for uh, Big Three, but I'm sure it can't be much. You know, what a six-game season. Derek, you think Joe Johnson's got any chance or anybody in the Big Three for that matter? Well, when I seen that Monte Ellis and Amari Stoudemire were getting uh, a workout and they had 15, I believe, 15 teams, and I mean – I haven't seen Monte Ellis play, but Amari Stoudemire is in the big three, and, I mean, he just looks awful. And what's <laughs> something that people don't realize is, I mean, yeah, Joe Johnson, I mean, he looks great, but they're playing half-court basketball, and a lot of those guys, are they stop playing defense after the first six points because they're tired, I mean. So uh, this ain't NBA level, and, I mean, I'm not saying he can't because I think if those guys are getting looked at by – 15 NBA teams that I think he can get a look at least. I think it was only 15 NBA teams because everybody was in Vegas. I, I think that, I mean, even the Hawks were there. I seen their Hawks name came up. So, I mean, I just, I do think that did play it. But I think there were actually a few teams that were interested in them, which is kind of crazy to me, especially Stoudemire. I, I, I mean, I don't know if y'all two have seen him play. Yeah, he's been out the league for what, five years now? He looks skinny. He don't even okay, look I'm strong right, no more. I throat right in the middle of that. So, <laughs> I was like, I thought I, yeah. I thought I was gone. So uh, I was just gonna say, I, I agree with Derek one hundred percent. This this is half court exhibition basketball. Uh, I mean, the the biggest the biggest thing to me that I got out of watching the big three was that Josh Smith still just does nothing but shoot the ball all over the court. Doesn't ever pass. Nothing's changed since the last time I saw Josh Smith touch a basketball. And I was like, man, I'm really – I never missed him the minute he left Atlanta. So, but, uh, I mean, there, there was some good – there was some good playing. It was good to see some of those guys. Uh, they were very, very friendly. I mean, Steven Jackson was, uh, from, what I, from what I heard, was awesome with media, uh, giving interviews and stuff like that. In fact, uh um, e from Game Time Radio, I uh, got, got a really good interview with him uh, over on the Game Time Radio page. So, um, you know, that that's what you like to see in some of that. When an exhibition is, you want it to be a fan friendly event uh, and everything. So, shout out to Big Three they, for. Uh, they chose a terrible time to come to Atlanta. Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. 
I agree with you. There was a busy, it was a busy weekend in general. So, um, but uh, last question about big three before we move on, Derek, does this, does this have staying power? I think it does. I mean, they've grown a little bit. I mean, they got bigger names this season. I mean, Joe Johnson, uh, who else? Gilbert Arenas. I don't, did he play last year? I don't know, but they got a lot of, they got a lot of new uh, injury last year or something. Okay. Playing good this year. I mean, they have, and I mean, they're getting some decent crowds in some areas. And I mean, it obviously grew because they're sending teams to different places and having multiple teams play at the same time and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's definitely growing. And I mean, I think Ice Cube is uh, doing the progress well, getting these guys to come in. And I think they need to try to get more guys like Joe Johnson that are fresh out of the league because it will uh, be more entertaining basketball. So I think right. it it's going to have some staying. You know who I want to see in the big three? Carmelo, because I want to see his ass in the NBA. He's going to be on the Lakers. I think, Joe, I think Joe Johnson's better than Car- Carmelo Anthony at this point. So Carmelo's done, dude. He's I, I'll say I, I ain't afraid. I, I called him washed last week, and he is washed. So I can never know. disrespect Melo. That uh, is one of my favorite players growing up. I'll never disrespect him. There's a difference, man. There's a difference. Carmelo, when you were growing up, was an elite player. Carmelo Anthony, when you're an older guy, is not an elite player anymore. I loved Carmelo Anthony as well. So, but he just isn't Carmelo no more, man. I mean, he's his game just isn't there anymore. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I hate, you know, you're a lot like me, Derek. The fact that I hate to see when my my guy, you start to see the decline of his career. You know, I saw it a lot on the baseball side of things with Dale Murphy. You know, my my favorite guy, but man, the last three or four years of his career were brutal to watch because he was so terrible. You know, and it's like, dang, I wish he would have hung it up at the twilight of his career, but he never really got that chance to you know to hang it up. You know, win the title, go out in a glory, and I think he's still searching for that. So. But, Phil, do you think the big three has any staying power? I think so. Uh, I think they got to keep exploring some of those medium-sized cities like they're doing a little more this year. I think the crowds have been better there. You know, it's just, hey, look at this. This is something cool we don't see every day. You know, the Atlanta crowd was bad, but 4th of July weekend, anybody that has anything to do with real basketball was in Vegas. United played at the same time, which is why I wasn't there, of course. Braves played at the same time. I think that was a big gap on their part. So they just they gotta they gotta really do their homework as far as scheduling and locations, I think. But you know, they have a great TV deal. It seems like their TV deal gets better every uh, every year. If you remember the first year, they weren't even live. They were showing they were playing Sundays and they weren't airing till Monday night. Now they have two days a week live on um, FS one or is it CBS Sports, one of those. So they're, they're, they're doing good, and, you know, they have a good face of the league. I really think they just need one more. If they could get, like, Kobe to come or someone like that or maybe even, you know, mix it up, have the regular teams, but then, like, one, one of the, how they do two days, you know, one of the days have the regular teams, and then one the other day do, like, a pickup sort of thing where they just draft their guys live right there and run some pickup games. There will always be a place for the legends. That's you know, it just every every sport that puts together 
other gins game or you know things like that people get interested you still want to follow your guy you know you know like Derek with Carmelo you still want you still want to follow that guy and, 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 you know, and, and they're interesting for what it is, but I just, I think they need to do a better, a better job of promotion, you know, because uh, really until had they not, had they not come to us, I would have known nothing about it. You know, uh, the fact that they did come to us, you know, made me look, you know, look at it with a little more interest, the fact that, you know, they're possibly covering it. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it has staying power. I don't, you know, I don't know again, if they'll be able to, to run the big arenas or anything like that. So, uh, I looked at the one thing I just noticed, I just want to say it, but, um, they came to Indianapolis a few weeks ago and I look at the prices and it was for a seat that I got for the Hawks game last year. And it was like $20 more than what the Hawks Pacers game was. I was like, oh, yeah. hell no, I'm not going <laughs> Yeah, I thought that I thought honestly the cool the cool part for me was getting to see Lamar Odom healthy and and playing on the court again. I mean, you got to figure this is a guy that two years ago was on his deathbed. <laughs> I mean, literally on his deathbed. At least you didn't say what Stephen A. said. That's what I thought was coming. <laughs> you know, for me, I was just I was just happy to see him out there. So you know, it's good. Yeah, that again, yeah, you would have never thought to see him on a court again. How's how bad a shape he was in? So, so shout out to Lamar Odom for getting back out on the court. But let's uh, get to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, we're at the half halfway mark. All Star game today. I don't. You you got a score here? I'm not paying attention to it. Um, Sushard said one zero a few minutes ago. I don't know if that's still correct. Let me pull it. Pull it up and see. Okay, ESPN doesn't want to put it. Yeah, of course, it never does. Uh, anyways, Braves are 54 and 37 at the halfway mark. Uh, six games yeah. over the surprisingly uh, uh, Nationals who have been playing very, very well lately, and then six and a half over the Philadelphia Phillies. So, yeah, 1 0 bottom of the third um, American League up. American League's won six in a row. The National League just can't beat those guys. So, uh, but uh, yeah. So um, the question I have, we'll just uh, we'll just go with since it is at a halfway point. Phil, what was your best moment for the Braves in the first half? And it might have been the moment that was just the other day. That amazing throw to save the game. I mean, you talk about bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, zero out. You're up one run. You know, trying to end the first half on a high note and you pretty much save it like that. You don't want that. You would not want to go in to the all-star break with another blown save, having to think about that for three, well, three, four, five days. That's just not how you want it to go out. What an amazing play all the way from opposite field, beating the beating the guy at home plate. Uh, that, that was Play of the year so far, I think. That and the, uh, the first Brian McCann walk-off. Yeah. Uh, Derek, you have any uh, moments? You know, I know you've been actively watching every game this year. So I haven't watched a single Braves game this season. <laughs> which is, I watched a few last season, but this season, I, I've watched literally like two Reds games, and that's about it. I think I'm totally done with baseball. What uh, – Question: What did you, did you get a chance to see those red uniforms on uh, Sunday? The cutoffs with, with them wearing the vest with their guns hanging out. I, I did see those, and yeah. I, I oh, see a look big as hell. 
<laughs> I know some people on uh, social media was probably mad about that. Oh, yeah, you already know. Everybody, everybody was wanting Dansby Swanson to be wearing one of those things. So. <laughs> I never seen more thirsty women on my timeline than watching some of them Reds guys in those uniforms. So it, it was pretty bad. But uh, Phil stole my thunder. Both moments for me that I'll remember in the first half, uh, Brian McCann's walk-off just because it really, really started setting the tone for them to, you know, start go on a tear winning-wise. And then uh, second moment for me, obviously, was Sunday. I mean, you just can't state how huge that was of play by Culberson um, is uh, – you know, the fact that he makes that throw coming in as a defensive replacement, which is why he was even in there to begin with. Um, and then you get to go into the all-star break thinking about a win and a monster win and, you know, uh, like that. And, and, you know, instead of having to think about, uh, hey, we, we blew a save and now, we, you know, we have to think about that all week. So um, I think that was, that was a massive, massive win for the Braves. So, um but uh, so we'll we'll definitely be keeping an eye on them, uh, and we'll be talking about them a little bit more because uh, trading deadlines coming up here soon. So uh, and the Braves, I guarantee you, will be making some moves. Um, I just can't see them standing pat. Uh, so definitely uh, keep an eye on me at, at Chop Up Chop Down for uh, some articles coming up. I like to stir the pot when it comes to trading our prospects away. So uh, so look for another trade possible trade article coming here pretty soon. So I think to really be a contender, sometimes you got to make tough decisions. That's I agree. Again, if you want if you want to bring in someone like that, it's going to cost you. I mean, again, you look at you look at the the past when it comes to picking up, you know picking up big players, even if it's elite closers, what it has cost in prospects to the team uh, doing the dealing. So, you know, I'm, whether, whether you like, whether the fans like, you know, Christian Pache or, um, you know, or, or they like Drew Waters, uh, you know, it may, it may cost a guy like that to, to pick up a guy that gives us to that championship. We can't just stock prospects all the time and hope that that's going to be the answer, you know, uh, especially when it's proven that we, we could use an elite closer. I mean, granted that, you know, Luke Jackson's done a, uh, to me, I think he's done a great job. So filling a role that he shouldn't be in, but man, he would be really good really good in the eighth inning leading to a guy in the ninth inning. So what I, what I could see is Sean Newcomb, Luke Jackson, and then a closer coming in, you know, the seventh, eighth, nine, then our starters really only got to go six innings through. And that's how you build a playoff team, you know, keep your, keep your starters only having to go six. So uh, let's go into, um, I think we had Atlanta United, Atlanta United talk. Uh Bill, get into Atlanta United talk, and then uh, we got a contest going on uh, that Phil wants to talk about, too. So we'll throw that in since we're talking about United. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Atlanta United, it was a weird week. You know, I kind of saw Wednesday coming. They went out to Chicago. You have the match with Red Bulls looming. You have Joseph coming back looming. They came out and laid an egg. They were down 3-0 by the 12th minute, and it just got worse from there. And, you know, hey. It, it happens. So they lost that one 5-1 Sunday in you know, one of the most entertaining and also the most watched MLS match ever, higher than uh, MLS Cup last year, which was hard for me to believe. Uh, 
you know, Atlanta and Red Bulls, one of the probably right now, probably the fiercest rivalry on the field in the league. Uh, 3-3 draw, absolute just madness of game. Lots of cards, lots of pushing, lots of shoving, a red card, you know, six goals, two for Joseph. You know, it looked like Atlanta United had control of the game. It had control of the match score-wise in the first half, but they got thoroughly outplayed in the first half. I think at one point I looked up and the shots were like seven to one for New York. But Atlanta, you know, in the second half, they played great in that second half. But once again, we've seen the last month or so a few defensive lapses really cost us. So, you know, we're down 2-1, 79th minute. Joseph draws a penalty. Of course, he nets it. So he makes it 2-2. We head into stoppage time. Of course, there had been a lot of a lot of just stoppages and everything, and the refs only blew five minutes. In the first minute of stoppage time, Joseph just gets a stunner that barely goes over the, over the line. Uh, <laughs> people didn't even realize. I know most of the people around me, we didn't even realize it was a goal. Until the uh, until the train horn started playing, <laughs> it was just absolute madness. That was I've been to most games. That was the second loudest I've ever heard it in there, other than um, other than the MLS Cup. You know, so it was looking like we were gonna win. We were up three two, and maybe a minute later they get the equalizer, and then there's more pushing and shoving, and the refs just blow it dead. <laughs> so that was an interesting game. We come out with a point, but you know, something. You know, maybe it's being picky after last year, but something just isn't quite clicking right now. But we still find ourselves near the top of the table, so you can't complain too much. Um, you know, after that great run of defending and goalkeeping that we had, we're really allowing way too many goals right now. Uh, we've allowed more goals in the last uh, four or five games than we have the entire rest of the season. So that really has to shore up. Just too many simple mistakes on the defensive line. Um, do you think that there's a little bit of a struggle this year when it comes to stoppage time uh, defense? It seems like there's been a problem. It's actually for some. It's been a theme in Atlanta United's history. We we dropped. I want to say four or five times we dropped points last year in stoppage time. Where after the 85th minute, something we just got to close out. Fortunately, we held on in the playoffs last year, but yeah, some there's just some simple. I don't know if it's communication or what, but that back line is just making a few mistakes, and every single time it proves to be costly. So we just got to shore that up. Um, hopefully, we can get it together tomorrow at the U.S. Open Cup. We're playing a USL side in the quarterfinals, so two more wins, and that'll be another tro- three more wins, and that'll be another trophy in our case. And also, uh, first person to hit me up, I'll get you uh, a pair of tickets tomorrow at KSU for the U.S. Open Cup match. So, uh, first person to to DM me, say you want the tickets, they're yours. We gotta make it interesting. Make them say like you gotta put, you gotta DM Phil, but you gotta say Open Cup, so that <laughs> we know that you were watching our little yeah. uh, podcast here. So you gotta say Open Cup. That's the that's the secret word in Phil's DMs. And ladies, the DMs are always open for Phil, so jump on. They are not open. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man! I was trying to win win a date with you earlier today, and you wouldn't let me do that. What the heck? We're trying to we're trying to get some ratings around here. So, hey, uh, Derek, did you check out any of the women's 
soccer? I did watch the final, and I mean, they just they dominated uh, throughout the whole game. And I mean, it just took them a while to put put a goal in. But I mean, just the way the game was going, it just to me it felt like they were just dominating all throughout. And it was actually pretty fun to watch too. I was mad that I didn't get to catch any of the other games. The thing was, you know, they are so good. And that the hype I think was there this year that it is normally for them because they're they're now they're just you know they're expected to win. I mean they are just they have amassed some of the best talent I've ever seen of women's soccer players. You know, and, and it's just and that's how that's how you build a women a national team. I mean, men or women. You know, and the men just have never figured that part out. Uh, and you know, it, it just seems to work. Even your your elder statesmen there, you know, uh, uh, you know, they they know their role, you know, uh, and they and they play it well. Um, and I, you know, I watched the the finals, and I, I thought the same thing. It was just uh, you could tell just that they weren't. There was nothing going to be scored against them. But uh, you know, the goal, the goalie for um, you know the the other team was she was fantastic. Yeah, she ended up winning the winning the Golden Glove, I guess is what it is, or whatever that award is. So, and she deserved it. She was fantastic, but but yeah, the Americans are just too powerful when it comes to, when it comes to U.S. soccer. It, it seems like we're the only country that um, puts forth an effort to promote women's sports. I think it. I don't want to say it frowned upon us elsewhere, but it's just not as big of a focus as it is here. I think. Yeah, you know, though, I, I kind of disagree with you on that, Phil, because I think that when when it comes like me, I, I have I mean, honestly, I have, I would say, two percent interest in women's soccer. But when it comes to to World Cup, I, I watch it like I'm the biggest fan ever because, you know, it's supporting supporting the U.S., not supporting, you know, not supporting women's soccer, I guess, uh, you know, I. I I'm the same way though when it comes to to the to the men's World Cup. You know, I, I want my country to win, and I think other countries are like that. When they start seeing that their that their country's making a run through, you know, I I would say that Taiwan was probably not interested in the women's soccer after being, after 17 goals scored against them. But you know, teams that are decent, you know, they'll get invested in their country. So it all you know, it really all depends on how how well you do. Again, you know, when when you make it to the finals of the World Cup. You know the ratings are going to be are, are going to be big. You know, um, you're you're going to get enough eyes watching on you. You know, two from two countries. So, um, but yeah, you know, it, it's all it's always good to see. I always like to look and see what the um, how how well it did. You know, ratings wise, and uh, you know, especially there's the the debate of disparity of pay. You know, uh, and, and to me, you know, I, I usually that I just kind of you know, keep out of that debate. But to me, the women are more interesting to watch than the men's soccer team. So that to me. Men, uh, Mexico, did, Mexico did beat the men 1-0 uh, for the Gold Cup final. It was actually U.S. had five, six, seven chances that they let go to the wayside. Once they missed, like, the second one, I was like, yep, Mexico's going to get one, and that's all they're going to need. <laughs> oh, sorry. All right, I'm froze again. I think I'm good again. <laughs> All right, let's finish off with the disappointing Atlanta dream. Uh, I they can only say, 
Yeah, I can only say this week after week. It was it was double disappointing because the win they got was against my Seattle Storm. So 77-66, they won. But then they lose a game that they should have won uh, against, you know, against Phoenix with Tarasi not playing. And again, it's just the, the same, the same thing every time. I mean, I just, I guess my question, Phil, is it time for a coaching change? Nah, I, I, I got to give her the season. I got to see, I got to see what happens when, well, at this point, does Angel come back this year? No, I don't see the point, but you know, the thing is, you're two-game win streak away from being in that playoff hunt because, like we've said, 75% of the league makes the playoffs. So I, I, I just – Mickey's such a great, great person. So I, I, I just – I want to see her at least finish out the year. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because, you know, we we get the personal side of her as someone that we, we like – but man, something's wrong. Something is wrong there. I don't know what it is. And so then you got to start at the top and that's a coaching change. You know, um, uh, it's just not working. I don't know if the angel injury was, you know, ended up being as, you know, worse to the, to the team chemistry as we, as we think it is, you know, she's really the only different piece. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know, man. Uh, do you follow any of the dream stuff there, Derek? No, I do not, unfortunately. Actually, yeah, I, probably, I, I, probably I fortunately, know. this year's because I mean they've been ha- bad, haven't they? Yeah, that's what yeah, I heard. Just, I don't know, man. I've seen our man, just, uh, our main man Malik, uh, talk about him a lot. Uh huh. So I've, that's really all I know is what I've seen him say. Yeah, again, it's just it's been brutal. I mean, nothing, nothing going right whatsoever. Shooting has been the worst. I, I can't. I think the the game that they they played where they lost to uh, the Liberty that that I watched was the absolute worst shooting game I've ever seen in a pro basketball women or men in my life. They shot twenty six percent, and I Ooh. I just couldn't believe they were. They were dumb shots too. It was just, it was just bad. So, I, I don't, I don't think they're making the playoffs. I think Nikki will be gone at the end of the year. And I just, I told the guys at the game on Sunday. I just think that she's, she's lost the team now. So, um, and so I, I think some, some type of change is going to have to be made. So, we'll, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on them. They got a few more games. Uh, I think their next game is against uh, the Sun, uh, Connecticut Sun. Uh, tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, not sure uh, if that is that another kids game or is it home or is it away? Yeah, it's it home. So I'm thinking it must be another. It must be another kids game or community game or something like that. So, uh, but it does. I just looked they up. Saw, and, they saw those ticket sales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's do this again. <laughs> Yeah, they probably had. They didn't have at the at the pride game. It was kind of disappointing. A little bit more than what they had been, uh, you know, a- advertised. There was there was a lot more tickets sold. I think there was like twenty five hundred, but the oh. actual people there was not twenty five hundred. So, but uh, it's awful. I mean, yeah, yeah. Again, Seattle have these blower bowls full to capacity. Minnesota, uh-huh. L.A. Sparks. 
Yeah, you with that, you got to, uh, again, I think they need to make the move to College Park, do it there, make it look fuller, and then, you know, and, and then go from there. So, but, but also, there's got to be hemorrhaging money paying for State Farm. Oh, yeah, definitely. I agree with you. So, we'll uh, call it off there. Uh, Phil, you got any shout outs? Yeah, you know, shout out to everybody supporting every single week. Uh, we definitely appreciate y'all. Um, just, Keep supporting, like, share, subscribe, five star, uh, however else. Come, come join us. You know, any of that good stuff, we definitely we see you out there. Appreciate it. We definitely appreciate it. Derek, shout them out. Yep, everybody watching. Uh, we definitely. I mean, what well, we're about to hit thirty next week. Third thirty show. So that'll be a Phil, special. Yeah, Phil got saw that, but. Um, <laughs> we definitely appreciate everybody continue to support our views have went up uh, sometimes it went down but we had our highest view show about two weeks ago so we hope that we continue to grow yeah shout out to everybody watching it was nice to get the original crew back together again finally there's been so much going on with work and school and everything like that we finally are able to all three of us get together at the same time uh but uh, shout out to everybody in the YouTube chat. As, as always, we appreciate you talking with us and hanging out with us. Uh, but uh, yeah, go and rate us five stars. We do this for you guys. So show us by show us that by giving us some love on uh, iTunes. So, but thanks for listening to the ATL Sports HQ live podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Later.